Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's up? This is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Thanks a lot for joining us this week, you guys. Show and Tell 7 is the topic for today. It's crazy to think we've had six previous show and tells. This is the seventh installment of this. This is a series of episodes where Will and myself just bring in a vast collection of tracks spanning all different generations, and the other person hasn't heard the track before, so it's just kind of going back and forth, a little show and tell, if you will. Right, and we both try to be a little bit eclectic and try to get a nice variety of different tunes to share with you guys and to share with one another, because I think one of the things that's so cool about this is um, that we we each aren't very familiar with the tracks that the other person is bringing to the table, which makes the dynamic of these kind of episodes much more unique and very fresh for us in particular. Right. You get to hear our sort of raw reaction to the other person's. And the other thing is like, I get to choose whatever I want to play and Carl gets to choose whatever he wants to play and we don't have to do any sort of (laughs) arguing over that. Yeah. And there's always a nice difference of what tracks we always bring in. I mean, I think by this point, you guys probably have a little bit of an understanding of the kind of tracks that Will usually brings, the kind of tracks that I usually bring. So, yeah, this should be a very good time. Well, why don't we just get to it? Um, I'm going to start things off. Uh, the first track of mine is a pick that we had to unfortunately cut from our Sega Genesis episode a few weeks back. We actually mentioned this on this episode. This is from a game called Mega Man The Wily Wars. Um, and this was really cool because this was composed by Kinoyo Yamashita. It was a remake of um, some of the early NES Mega Man games for the Genesis. So it featured a lot of that original music, but there also was some original music that Yamashita composed. This is one of those original tracks. Uh, This is called Wily's Tower Stage 4. Enjoy. Awesome. That is Wily's Tower Stage 4, composed by Kinoyo Yamashita from the game Mega Man The Wily Wars for the Sega Genesis. Uh, yeah, this is a great track, and it was too bad we had to cut it from our Genesis episode. So this was one that I had on the playlist uh, for my Show and Tell episode, so I'm glad I got to play it. Yeah, I recognized this one from back when we were picking that episode, mm-hmm. and uh, I learned something interesting. I, I heard a little bit of information about this game after we cut it, which I'm actually glad we didn't play it, because now I uh, gained a little bit more information about this game in one of the reasons that you probably have the music here to listen to you. I think this game was sort of only released in Europe, or if it wasn't, it was utilized in um, Japan and Europe. There's this sort of technology, this satellite technology that the Super Nintendo had an equivalent where you could actually download 
games. Oh, is that what Steven like, Reich was talking about? For yeah, Pulse Man? Yeah, similar to like yeah. um, you, you would download it through like a satellite. So it was less like the internet and more like mm-hmm. a TV On demand. type of satellite. Yeah, yeah well, that definitely was not available in North America. But one thing that was cool is a lot of those games are sort of lost. Mm-hmm. Like you wouldn't be able to find those soundtracks anymore. But this game only in Europe had a short-term uh, cartridge release. Oh, okay. So there is a cartridge release available for this game, and that's probably why we're able to have this soundtrack because mm-hmm. I think a lot of those satellite games were actually lost. That's that's a really interesting point. No, I was just really happy to play this. I think it's really well composed. It was probably one of my favorite pieces of original music that Kanoyo Yamashita composed for this game. Um, I like there's a little bit of Latin influence. Like some of the leads when they're in harmony, they kind of remind me of mariachi trumpets in harmony. There's oh. a little bit of that Spanish flair, but it also feels very Mega Man. And sometimes there's not an incredible difference between Castlevania and Mega Man music as far as like Konami and Capcom. Like some of it will sound similar, but I think here, I think Kanoyo Yamashita is really trying to go for the Mega Man sensibility because she had to work with so much of that music. She was kind of seeping herself in the world of Mega Man. So it's cool to hear her take on it, you know? Right. Cool. Well, now I'm going to go to my first pick of the day. This is from a rare game, actually, back on the NES days. Uh, This is a game called Snake, Rattle, and Roll. Obviously a parody of the song Shake, Rattle, and Roll. (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of, they based the whole title off of that. So you say this is a rare game. Does that mean it was our friend? Yes, it means that it was composed, in fact, by David Weiss. Awesome. And I was familiar with a lot of the music from this game, but I didn't know it was from this game because I've I'd never really heard of this before. Okay. Um, but when I found out, oh, some of this music is from this game. Well, just a little background is the game is just sort of like a, it's sort of like an isometric camera type of 3D view where you're just like a snake going around eating things. The game itself is kind of hit and miss. Mm-hmm. It's it's not considered one of the best, but the music is incredibly interesting because it has a lot of sort of 50s rock and roll elements to it. Okay. It's really nice. You get a little bit of like rockabilly and you get also some sort of like 60s kind of surf music quality to some of the songs in this game. Well, I'm curious. Let's hear it. But what I'm going to be playing for you today is the theme from Level 1. And this is Level 1 from Snake Rattle and Roll composed by David Weiss. Here we go. That's level one from Snake, Rattle, and Roll, composed by Dave Wise. Awesome. Did you hear the end part of the form there? Yeah, it's kind of weird. What I like about this song is it's very authentic for what it's going for, and it's so catchy. That bluesy bass line is just 
absolutely classic, and its presentation on the NES is just timeless. Mm-hmm. And um, I was familiar with a lot of the music from this game, but I never really knew what it would come from. But I would hear it on various sort of internet uh, sites. You know, people would use it as background music if they were talking about video games, and I always thought it was really cool. In fact, I thought it was like fan-made music. Oh, really? Like, like old rock and roll. You know, and when I found out it was from this game, I thought it was really interesting because one of the reasons that I chose this track in particular is because when I found out it was Dave Wise, this track has a lot of similarities with the Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong Country, Country I music. completely agree. That was the first thing I, sa- I was going to say as soon as I heard this today is that it really reminds me of like something like uh, some like uh, swanky sideshow or some bonus game theme. Like you hear a lot of this kind of music in Donkey Kong Country, you know? Right. It's excellent. It's very playful and fun. It's really fun. Is the rest of the music in this game as fun as this? Um, it, it has the same sort of palette as far as chords and melodies, and I, mm-hmm. I would say that it's all really fun. Okay. Um, but it's it's different, you know. Um, like the next song is a little bit slower. It goes in. But it's still very jazzy. They all have that same sort of. It really reminds me of a lot of those bonus games, or you know, those games where you can play those like carnival, those carnival games in Donkey Kong Country. That's what it reminds me of. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Like I actually hear more similarities to his later work in this game than most NES tracks I've ever heard from him. Right. That's excellent. Nice pick, Will. Move on to a pick of mine. This is from Voodoo Vince. Now, we played a track from this on our jazz music episode. This was composed by Steve Kirk, and it's an excellent soundtrack. A lot of gypsy jazz influence in here and some really excellent um, authentic playing by pretty talented instrumentalists on this soundtrack. I'm going to play a different track. This song is called Jean Lafitte's Ship. It has a little bit of a pirate influence, so let's take a listen. This is Jean Lafitte's Ship from Voodoo Vince for the Xbox, composed by Steve Kirk. This is a really cool track. I like how he takes those same rhythmic motives and melodic motives and he transposes them into the relative minor key. It's, it's really cool how you hear that mm-hmm. later on. I don't know. I just think this is a very strong, not only just track, but soundtrack. I'm just a really big fan of it. Yeah, Voodoo Vince is really cool. I remember being really impressed with it on, I think, our jazz music episode. Yeah, I think Main Street was the name of the track we played. It was an excellent track. Yeah, this is a fantastic soundtrack. This is another great pick, Carl. Thank you. (laughs) 
Cool, a really cool combination of fake and real instruments, you know. Yeah, a very interesting use of fake and real instruments because that piano uh, not only has a very old sort of general MIDI sound to it, but uniform attack. Yes. You know, um, it's probably MIDI performance, but it mm-hmm. seems like they took out all the dynamic contrast maybe like it was such a basic general midi piano sound that Mm -hmm. it didn't have the variations in um dynamics it was probably quantized not just rhythmically but velocities too yeah Yeah, probably really good piece though i mean it's not always incredibly in your face it's it's good background music i think most of this would fit the theme of the game but it's not something that you have to really pay attention to it's not going to like jump out in the forefront as much yeah i feel that way about a lot of modern video game music Mm mm-hmm but this is of a high quality nonetheless. Cool. What's your next pick, Will? Well, sweet. I'm going to move on to a soundtrack that is really sort of near and dear to my heart, especially um, in the light of uh, Carl and I's most recent collaborative project. Yeah, the F-Zero album. Yes. uh, We released an album called uh, Zero G Super Satellite Racing about two weeks ago. And um, both Carl and I were inspired by all of the F-Zero games to uh, make an album as sort of an homage to the classic SNES game F-Zero. And um, this track that I'm going to be playing for you today comes from the GBA game F-Zero Maximum Velocity. Nice. And this one has always been one of my favorites. I really think the quality of some of the melodies in this game are absolutely fantastic. And um, the track that I'm going to be playing for you today is the title screen from this game. And um, I know it's kind of ironic being that it's just the title screen, Mm -hmm. but I actually think this has uh, one of the most beautiful melodies in the entire F-Zero series. Well, didn't you tell me, Will, that one of the original composers of the first F-Zero worked on this game? That's absolutely correct, Yeah, so let's take a look. I think the composers here are Masaru Tajima, Mitsuru Furukawa, and Naoto Ishida. Yeah, Naoto Ishida worked on the original F-Zero, so they're very cool. Well, awesome. Let's take a listen to title screen. That's title screen from F-Zero Maximum Velocity. Very simple, I know, but I think when that guitar melody comes in, there's nothing better. Uh, This is just such a beautiful melody, and it's so distinctly F-Zero. I think that's what I love about it. There's so few F-Zero games, really, that have come out so far just on consoles or handhelds. This is one that stays true to the original, and and it's heavy use of jazz influence, minor nine intervals on the melody and stuff. Well, in the, in the general sort of construction of this song, definitely feels like it's trying to be reminiscent of the title screen from the original F-Zero, but it's so, going so far above and beyond. It really is. I, I think this is much deeper of a song than the original title screen. It's much more long-winded and more sophisticated than the original title screen oh, music. The chords are just perfect. It's absolutely beautiful. 
Yeah, I'm I'm just in love with this track. the The way that this melody is constructed um, was very influential to how I approached composing for that Zero G project. Because one thing that I liked about this is this melody is so beautiful. But I could imagine if you sped it up, it sounds like the type of melody that would be an F Zero. So when mm -hmm. I went to compose some of the songs, I would write them Slower. really slow and sort of construct beautiful melodies and then pick it up and mm -hmm. i was really inspired by this track to take that approach awesome well all right we're gonna move to a pick of mine this is from uh, one of my favorite gba soundtracks this is dk king of swing i'm gonna play a track we haven't played so far this is neki's canyon i think we've played a couple tracks from this so far on the podcast this game was composed by takashi koga let's take a listen to neki's canyon love that track that is so much fun this is dk king of swing uh neki's canyon composed by takashi koga man this really reminds me of classic video game music i really like the descending baseline and the sample they use it really reminds me of i think again they, they ripped these n64 and snes samples for these gba games so it's dripping with this nostalgia that you're very familiar with but it's more nostalgic because it's like taking those samples and making them crappier yeah it's just excellent <laughs> it's like making 16-bit uh, sounds sound 8-bit. 8 8-bit or 12-bit, yeah. No, but I really think the chords, there's there's just one chord, and I think it might be a minor 4, but it comes so quickly, and then it leaves. It's there, and it's gone right away. It's just really playful, and it doesn't kind of dwell on those mm -hmm. emotional moments. It just does them, and then they're gone. Yeah, it's almost, it makes them a little bit less emotional. It's just using a larger variety of harmonics to mm -hmm. just create a really fun and high-quality video game song. I, I really like how you mentioned that it utilizes that minor four, but it doesn't really hold on it. Yeah. Because it's not really trying to capture all of the emotional qualities of those chord changes. It's just trying to use a lot of different chords to create something that's really catchy and infectious. And I think that's, that's a very interesting thing to note because I think a lot of those old-school 8-bit and 16-bit game composers would do techniques like that a lot, like have really lush chords in very quick repetitions mm -hmm. of a chord change. Um, but it's like they go by so fast, you don't even feel all the emotions. But the quality of the melody is just so heightened by all those chord changes. Yeah, that's something I noticed in all the tracks that we've played so far from this composer of this particular game. I remember my favorite was that bonus stage. So long ago we played that. That was just, oh, that was our favorite track. Yeah, that I led think, us in that into whole... like a philosophical moment, I remember. <laughs> that was excellent. 
Cool, man. What's your next pick? Well, I'm going to stick with this F-Zero Maximum Velocity for just one more track. Okay. Uh, this is the first course that you play in the game. So I thought, you know, I can't play F-Zero and not actually play an actual right. race track. Right. That would um, be sacrilege. This is, I think, my favorite in the game. And fitting enough, it's the first track that you hear when you actually start playing. All right. Well, this is called Bianca City from F-Zero Maximum Velocity. Let's take a listen. So cool. That's Bianca City from F-Zero Maximum Velocity. Gosh, I just, I really, again, it's a fantastic melody, and it stays true to the musical style of the original F-Zero on the SNES, but it's not afraid to do new things. It's, it's great. It's incorporating a little bit of F-Zero X, as far as having more of the authentic guitar hard rock sound, right. which is cool. It's I like think a combination. instrumentally it's trying yes. to go for that. But as far as the execution of the actual um, compositions, yeah. I think it's much more uh, solid in tune with the old school F-Zero yeah. games. You I know? just think it's better than something like F-Zero X. What, what, do, what are your thoughts on that PSG ascending kind of piercing sound? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's totally perfect for a racing game. Having like a repetitious ostinato like that, I mean, that's what makes these games work is you need something like that. The repetition of a racing game, having it feel unending, like you're never stopping. It kind of feels like a sound effect. I'm sure if you were actually playing the game, you'd probably not be able to separate whether or not that's part of the song or not. Yeah. Because it's happening rhythmically, so it sounds good, but it almost feels like it's a sound effect. You know, like something you're that I think is up. so interesting, the form is great, because you have A, then B, then A, then C, and then it loops again. Mm -hmm. You know, normally, a typical form would be A, B, A, B, and then C, but it cuts out. You don't get the B section, that second repetition. It just goes straight to a new section that... Dum, yeah. Da, da, da. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know. It's so much more rewarding. It's kind of like an alternate B because it's a similar idea to the B section, yeah. you know? So it, it kind of makes you not sure whether or not it's a new section, but it, it feels very yeah, fresh. It's, it's very uh, clever technique as far as going back to the loop because you hear that loop so many times before you get back into it. Mm -hmm. um, it makes it just sort of feel like it's never really ending as opposed to like having a concrete loop point because it fools you into thinking that it's looped back when in reality it actually that's hasn't. one of my favorite things about retro video game music what's funny is i i only played this game a couple times and this already seemed classic to me mm -hmm. it must have made a quick impression on me when oh, i yeah. played it it's when just I was it's fantastic 
Well, I'm going to keep the racing vein going here, and I'm going to play a track from Mickey's Speedway USA for the N64, and one of my recent um, personal favorite discoveries that I've made in the past uh, year, I would say. This is for the N64. It's a rare title, and it was composed by Ben Cullum, who's a little-known rare composer. He must have just worked there for a short amount of time. I'm going to play a track that I haven't played so far. This is Chicago from Mickey's Speedway USA. Enjoy. so awesome. This is Chicago from Mickey Speedway USA, composed by Ben Cullum. Not to be confused with the <laughs> other rare Chicago. It's it's quite similar or different, would you say, from that? Um, I love the use of the drip sound effect when it adds to the drum beat. That's so much fun. So goofy. Very humorous. Um, really good I mean, use of humor in this song. Probably the most devious track of this game. Most of the tracks are kind of not smooth jazz, but very relaxing jazz, kind of funk. This one's a little bit more devious. It almost, are we like in the sewers of Chicago, or why is there that dripping <laughs> sound effect? I have no idea. I, I have like no idea it, why it's so gritty. I love it. I know Marty just got back from Chicago, so maybe he could give us some insight onto the cultural context of this piece. He would probably, this would make <laughs> a lot more sense to him. Yeah, we should ask him. No, I just, this was always one of my favorite, it was one of the standout tracks of the soundtrack. It wasn't one of the ones that I wanted to play right away, but it was one that I had kind of on the back burner that I knew <laughs> who I wanted to show it at some point. Something you couldn't quite get out of your brain. Absolutely. I think I mentioned it in the episode where we played our first track from Mickey Speedway USA. I met, I think I gave a shout out to this track. I completely forgot about this I wonder soundtrack. if someone from Rare had a bad experience in Chicago one time or they got mugged or something and then so when I mean I think Grant Kirkhope had an awesome experience because that Chicago song <laughs> from Perfect Dark is beautiful. That's really funny. Well cool my next track is from a completely different kind of game. This is from a very artistic and incredibly clever video game. I would consider this video game art. Uh, This is from Braid. This is a puzzle game that released for Xbox Live Arcade, PSN, and uh, home computer Mm -hmm. systems. You could get it um, on PC. Yeah, this is a fantastic game. And it's just a, it's a great puzzle game, but it's delivered in a package of this sort of very 
innocent, seemingly innocent story, but there's all this sort of metaphor and context behind it. And you find out that all your actions are less about the actions that you're taking and more about uh, the representation of what they mean on Mm -hmm. like a larger scale. And it's funny because it's just sort of like a platformer puzzle game. And when you get to the end of the game and you realize that there's actually like a context behind it. I just think it's fantastic, and the music has always been something that really jumped out at me. Uh, this is my favorite theme in the game. This is called Downstream, and this was composed by Shira Common. Let's take a listen to Downstream from the game Braid. beautifully melodic piece is called downstream from the video game braid one thing that i love about it is the quality of that melody is i think just as good as almost any classic 16-bit video game piece i agree but what's great is the presentation is so elegant and so simple that violinist is just an exquisite performer and the emotion that is delivered in this performance is just almost unparalleled in a video game it really yeah, it elevates the emotions that this melody wants to have. I mean, I think what I like about this particular violinist is how soft of an attack they, they yeah. give to the notes when they need it, you know? Yeah. But they also have a lot of confidence at the same time. An incredible tone. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's such a sparse instrumentation, and it's such a breath of fresh air for modern video game music because i think some of the things are with a lot of this modern technology and the ability to record actual performers they get such a large sound that you lose really some of the purity and simplicity that makes video game music great having an emphasis on a single melodic line because honestly i feel like that's what people respond to the most in music you know we hear that one constant melodic line and when you have such a simple instrumentation like this it really lets you focus on the melody and in this case the melody is so beautiful and i think it really adds to the game just like it did back in the 8 and 16 and it really era. fits the idea of this legendary adventure something that plays with the idea of time and space uh what's great is you have a waltz feel and you also have some dorian mode elements of the melody and those two together 
It yeah. just it's asking for classic emotions that you're going to feel, you know, right. things that you've heard and and seen in films growing up. That's what know? I love, and it also feels like it really does have a reverence for old school video games, much like the game, as far as its gameplay, has a reverence for old school platformers mm-hmm. like Mario and you know puzzle games, even something like Tetris. But what's great is there's something a little bit deeper to it than that, and yeah, I think I the think music captures that. The, the quality is high enough, so that's what makes me feel like it does but at the same time this could exist just as a piece of music and someone might not even know it's from a video game at all yeah great pick well that's an excellent track as soon as it played it reminded me i haven't played that game for a while but yeah that kind of brought me back very very challenging game for me all right i'm gonna move on to a game uh one of my favorite soundtracks this is everything or nothing james bond this came out for the gamecube xbox and ps2 i'm gonna play a track called Russian Tank. This is one of the final pieces uh, that plays in the game, one of the final levels. This was composed by the wonderful Sean Callery. Excellent piece of music. This is Russian Tank. I didn't probably even need to tell you. It's very Russian, isn't it? From Everything or Nothing, composed by Sean Callery. This is that final mission that takes place when you're blowing up the Kremlin, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> excellent level, excellent song. <laughs> excellent game. Man, this is great. Yeah, right before you fight Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Who's Russian? Oh, yeah. What's his name? Nikolov? Uh, Nikolai. Nikolai Diavolo. Yeah. And the, he... Yeah, and nanobots are kind of the the main plot point in this game. Yeah. Nanotechnology. Nanotechnology that makes it so that it can eat through Which, like, all Which, fun fact, was developed by Heidi Klum. She has the, you know, <laughs> level of scientific background to develop nanotechnology. Oh, yeah. yeah. Heidi Klum played the scientist. I remember that. I could never really believe her in that role. I mean, it was a fantastic game. Yeah, though. it really was. And this was a time where you didn't have as many celebrity voice actors in video games, you know? And you got their likeness also. Yeah, like which they was were, really cool. It was very much like a Bond film that you were interacting with. It's always funny when you hear celebrities. Like, I remember watching a lot of making of features of this game. And when you hear them talk about the game, it's evident that they've like never played a video game before. Because right. like, they're, they're a part of this game, but they don't really know what's going right, on. Yeah, I remember Heidi Klum thinking that like you could play as her character. She's <laughs> just like, I just love this idea about a video game that I can run around and play as myself. <laughs> Like, I'm like, sorry, sorry Heidi. Heidi. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not going to happen. happen. But but you probably wouldn't play it anyway, so it's okay. 
No, yeah, I just Sean Callery is one of my favorite composers. I, I I wish he would do more nowadays because I'm a, a really big fan of. He's a great modern, not just game composer, yeah. but film TV composer. I yeah, just, give Sean Callery a try. Step aside, yeah. Hans Zimmer. I'm kind of <laughs> sick of. You. Oh, Will, we know your thoughts on Hans. Let's move on. What's your next pick? Okay, so now I'm going to move on to a very, very fantastic game in the recent years. This is Rayman Origins. Now, this is a Excellent. game that I feel like completely just brought new life back into side-scrolling platformers. I know we have mm-hmm. games like New Super Mario Brothers and even fantastic ones like uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns, but this takes sort of a dormant franchise like Rayman and just makes one of the most iconic 2D side-scroller games in a long time. I agree. You know, it's probably one of the best Rayman games. I'd say the best since Rayman 2. I think it's the best Rayman game ever, personally. Yeah. I'm it's really, really fantastic. The, the next one too, and yeah. I think something that really surprised me is recently Carl and I were playing this game and you probably know our opinions of the music. I, I would say that we're reluctant fans of it. We, uh, we like what it's going for, but we feel in general there isn't as much reverence to old school video game music as there is in the gameplay and visual aesthetics. Right. But um, the music is beautiful. And when we were playing through the game recently, I really had to sort of take a bow to this game and just acknowledge how beautiful some of this music is. Especially in this particular world in the game. Yeah. This is the, the underwater world. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to be playing a track from the underwater world, Sea of Serendipity. And this is Lums of the Water from Rayman Origins. And this was composed by Christoph Heral and Billy Martin. That is just too cute. That is Lums of the Water from Rayman Origins. And just a little background context to those of you who have never played this game who wonder what the hell is going on. Uh, Lums are sort of like the equivalent of coins in this game. Uh, you collect these tiny little glowing yellow guys. Yeah. And when you collect them, they sing. Lums. They're Lums or they're Glows. I'm not sure. Yeah, they that. sing these little, they sing these cute little songs. And they're high pitched. Like yeah. They're obviously recorded by a real person. They sound like Elvin and the chipmunks. Yeah, it's just adorable. And they don't say words, which is the cutest thing, mm-hmm. because especially in this song, they're singing with all this emotion, like they're saying <laughs> words, but it's all just gobbledygook. Yes, yuck. It's, it's adorable. So it's really effective, and it, it really makes, the game is fun and really playful and colorful, but this actually elevates in all the fun you're having. It sounds like they're like underwater. Yeah. It's I gotta really say, cute. so far in the game, this is my favorite world. Not just the music, but the gameplay, the visuals. I think oh, yeah, the Sea of Serendipity is just the peak of this game. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. And something that I love about this song in general, 
I can't believe this was made for Rayman Origins. It sounds like one of the best Randy Newman songs yes, or something. Yes, it really something. does sound like something from a Pixar movie. Like, the combination of that really jazzy, show tune melody and chords with that full orchestra <laughs> behind it, <laughs> when it the really reminds me in, of, like, Randy Newman. When the strings come in, it makes it more funny because you oh, hear gosh. these lush strings that sound really good and you hear the... And they're just yeah. so... They're, it's so cute because they're so, like, emotionally singing... Like, it's yeah. cute. I love it. Nice. All right, I'll move on to a pick of mine. This is from a Super Nintendo game called The Lost Vikings. And this was composed by Charles Deenan. If you remember, he was the gentleman who composed Mick Kids. I'm actually a pretty big fan of his. Ooh, He's one of those nice. obscure Western composers. Um, but this track is really cool. And one thing I just wanted to quickly mention about this game, The Lost Vikings, there are a few games that came out for the SNES that you're not able to find SPC soundtracks for, the actual sound files huh. that are ripped from the game. This is one of them that it's in, it's impossible to rip it because the way that it used samples in the RAM of the Super Nintendo, I, I don't know the specifics of it, but it was su- in such a way that it can't be emulated. So it can only be recorded straight from an SNES or wow. if there was like an official soundtrack. That's the only way to hear this music. That's pretty so, badass. Yeah, I just, it, is, it is really, and this track sounds one of the most advanced SNES tracks I've ever heard. It's really cool. Let's take a listen to Factory Beat from The Lost Vikings. This is kind of a nice counterpart to um, some of the Yuzo Koshiro work that he did in the Streets of Rage series for the Genesis. This is really one of the funkiest SNES tracks I've ever heard. This is Factory Beat from the Lost Vikings, composed by Charles Deenan. And it is nice to get someone who's kind of an outsider who isn't as concerned with the, the traditions that you hear in most SNES music. And he's doing something very different and utilizing the technology in a very different way. Because like I said, there's only a few games oh, yeah. that would utilize the samples in, in that way. Oh, clearly. No, yeah, this is a really cool piece of music. Uh, one thing that really jumped out at me, um, partially because one of my headphones is broken, so I'm really sort of only hearing like the drum part, but the subtlety in that drum, I guess, performance, if you want to call it, especially the hi-hat, there's a lot of specific oh, articulations in dynamic. I, I Part of it is <laughs> That's I just... That's all you're hearing is I just went... <laughs> you're trying to talk about what you can hear. No, I love the hi-hat. I just... <laughs> I went from uh, using Famitrack, 
Skywalker and using you mm-hmm. either have like an open sound or a closed noise channel right. sound but you have all these subtleties and dynamics for the open and closed yeah and I don't know it makes it sound like an actual performer yeah and it's an it's an electronic style hi-hat it's you hear that yeah. synth kind of hi-hat that you hear in a lot of rave house music of the 90s it's really cool that um, that at least the drum sounds are everything about this is pretty authentic. A lot of this is a jazzy solo that synth lead. I mean, it's not the most catchy melody, I guess I would say, but I think the groove is what's catchy about this song. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. We've played a track from the Lost Vikings too. That was that really goofy pirate song, but um, yeah, this is from the first game. Well, I'm gonna take you back to the lovely world of Rayman Origins. This I was hoping you'd play another one because there was another one I was thinking of. This is my personal track of the week, and the reason why I picked this track as track of the week is because this is the first time in a very long time where I've stopped playing a video game just to listen to the music, and my jaw hit the floor. This is absolutely beautiful, and it's using those same little lums Mm -hmm. from the last song, but instead of trying to go for goofiness, this song goes for haunting, just ethereal beauty. The harmonies in this is just some of the most beautiful harmonies I've ever heard. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And the melody, just to top things off, is a variation on Mm -hmm. the melody from the Lums of the Water. Right. So anyways, let's take a listen to The Lums Dream from Rayman Origins. So awesome. That's just that's just beautiful. Wow. Speechless. Yeah. Speechless. We were speechless when we played the game. Like we I put down the controller. I was like, are you kidding me? I was not expecting that. It's this. just I just think it's so crazy because they set you up. I was already just so loving that last song. It's like, what a goofy, fun, cute little song. And like it's such a impressive piece of work to take that incredibly goofy, silly presentation and take it into something that just hits me in the gut Mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous i don't even know what to say i I really would be interested to see how they recorded this Uh, if it was one person who sang all the harmony parts or if there's multiple different singers but those lush harmonies interesting dissonance i'm like oh god (laughs) what i like at the first section there's one person who's singing the same note for every single chord so you hear that same common tone throughout all of the chords it's just beautiful 
Yeah, it, it, what's great is uh, something I noticed. That's the higher voice. Yes. Something that would typically be like a pedal tone mm-hmm. is actually the higher voice is staying the same and the it's lower very, voice is moving. It's very interesting. And I think that's what makes it feel so ethereal. Mm-hmm. That's excellent, Will. Great pick. <sighs> okay, I'm going to move on to a track of mine. This is from the PC-98 game, The Legend of Heroes 3, and this was composed by Miko Ishikawa, Itsushi Shirakawa, Hirofumi Matsuoka, and Naoki Kaneda. I'm going to play a really beautiful, kind of sad, haunting piece called The White Witch Garud Wagon Tracks. Enjoy. <laughs> This is the White Witch Garud Wagon Tracks from Legend of Heroes 3 for the PC-98, composed by Miko Ishikawa and Company, also known as Falcom Sound Team JDK. This is beautiful. This was one that I've wanted to play for a long time. Uh, I have a lot of PC-98 and 88 music. It's Will knows this was one of my favorite kind of genres of video game music, and I just have a lot of it, and there's a lot of tracks that I'm saving up, so, you know... You're going to hear more of this, um, you know, in future show and tells. But yeah, I just, I thought this was really beautiful, simple, effective, very memorable. Definitely. Really beautiful stuff. Very pretty. Cool. What's your next pick, man? Well, just to change pace from all of that beautiful, very, I guess, ethereal music, mm-hmm. I'm going to do something that gets your blood pumping and is just a classic definition of an NES feel-good rock tune. Perfect. This is from the sequel to Contra. This is Super Contra, also known as Super C for the NES, and this is Area 1. And a fun fact about this is that this game was composed by the same composer from the original From the original Contra. Contra. We have Haidenori Miyazawa. Awesome. Exactly. Without further ado, let's take it away with one of the best tracks in the whole Contra series. This is Area 1 from Super C.
awesome. That's Area One from Super C. So many awesome things to say about this track. The melody is just classic contra in these chords i mean this composer just has such a distinct style yeah. i think my favorite part is the dun, 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 dun. all the melody lands on all those offbeats which is so catchy and the rhythms are sort of backing that up and then you get those fantastic orchestra hit samples i don't remember another so epic nes soundtrack that has orchestra hits maybe i just have pretty sure the original contra oh really uses orchestra this hits. part's great i love how this interval there is i think it's a fourth it's a yeah. really interesting harmony very beautiful harmonies and uh, the two instruments are actually different the top melody instrument has a little bit more of a plucked attack so it has like a volume curve okay uh, which gives it more of a plucked attack and the lower one almost sounds more like a sine wave and they do this cool like portamento slide up to do they sure do they sure do yeah it's really no. cool excellent track nice change of pace well it's good to get our blood pumping in yeah here. I'm glad to play that one because that's one that has been on my mind all the time yeah I remember you brought that up a long time ago you're like i want to play a super c track on my next show and tell cool well it is time to move on to my personal track of the week this is fire emblem the medley and i'm going to play it from super smash brothers melee this uh, features two of the most classic and probably best fire emblem themes in the whole series and i think it was i don't know if it was first featured in melee but they definitely did it again in brawl and i think melee was the first time i heard these songs and to me they're just some of the most classic themes in video game music especially this first one i just think this is just you can't get better than this this is composed by yuko tsujioko and she is the fire emblem composer she's done every single pretty much she, every single she's fire a fire emblem, emblem goddess she is she's absolutely excellent so here is smash brothers melee fire emblem So awesome. This is Fire Emblem from Super Smash Bros. Melee. 
composed by Yuka Tsujioko. Oh my gosh. I just, uh, so many things I could say about this. I think this main melody here is represents for me everything that makes effective blood pumping video game music. It is reminiscent of Mega Man. It's reminiscent of so many classic NES. Street Fighter, definitely. Yes, yeah, Street Fighter. I mean, this was originally in the very first Fire Emblem game for the NES, and I think it was originally known as something like Ride With Us or Come Ride With Us, something like that. Um, and it's good in the NES, but really it's one of the tracks that I think actually sounds better done up with a modern um, orchestration like this. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's all about the first way that you hear a song. Yeah. And this is the first version that you heard. And mm-hmm. the melody definitely does lend itself nice to those sort of mariachi trumpets. Right. But I think there's a reason that you chose the Melee version and not the Brawl version. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably some sort of nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah, the Brawl version is very similar, but it has more of like distorted rocking guitars. It's not quite as good in my opinion. But very similar. Yeah, this this part is beautiful. And when it goes into the... Coming up here, it actually goes into one of the main themes of Fire Emblem. Again, from the very first NES game. And I just... I don't know. I think that holds up with a lot of Final Fantasy main themes. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. Nice. Well, Carl, I think we have a little bit of a dilemma. Because... We came up with a very good idea for this week's episode in that we each take our own track of the week. Right. So that way we don't have to spoil each other's tracks for one another. And we don't have to compete over it for track of the week. So what's the problem, Will? Well, Carl, the problem is that we can only feature one of these tracks on our blog page. In our Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. Hmm, Which one are we going to do? Which one are we going to post, you're saying? Well, I think the only way to decide it is rock, paper, scissors. To the death. All right, here we go. Okay. One, two, three, scissors. Or, sorry, I shouldn't say it. One, two, three, scissors. Ha. Okay, he won. He had paper and I had rock, just so you guys know. But I said scissors. <laughs> All right, so I guess we're going to be posting Will's track of the week, but just, just so you guys know, mine was actually a little bit better. You know. Oh, well, definitely, of course. All right, Will, what's your next pick? Oh, I feel really bad for you now. Oh, no, I don't. Poor Carl. Because I'm the one who actually posts it, so. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh dang. I'm scared now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, uh, next I'm going to be playing a track from just a classic NES game. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite fighting games because it has less to do with fighting <laughs> and more to do with uh, memorization, I guess. It's, it's, it's like the guitar hero of fighting games, and that's why I like this one. Anyways, this is Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Nice. It's the only video game where you can have a final boss who's a real person. That's awesome. Who's probably scarier in real life than he is in the game. Um, he doesn't uh, bite off your ear in the video game. Oh, I've tried. That's good. Um, but anyways, this is uh, one of my favorite tracks in the game, and I think it's uh, just a classic NES tune in general. This is from the bicycle training. There's sort of a training montage in this game where your trainer's on a bicycle and you're running to keep up with them. It's just a cutscene. It serves no purpose from the game, but it feels like an 8-bit version of Rocky or something. Some 80s montage. Yeah, That's and excellent. a cool thing about this track is this was written by Kenji Yamamoto. No way. The man who did uh the music for like super metroid and metroid prime that's excellent you actually i I don't know you can sort of hear a little bit of super metroid Mm -hmm. in this i guess just in the style of his sort of rockin songwriting in his melodic style but i think this is just a fantastic nes piece regardless so this is bicycle training from mike tyson's punch out let's take a listen
awesome. That's bicycle training from Mike Tyson's Punch Out, also known as Punch Out featuring Mr. Dream. Because there was a little bit of licensing issues with Mike Tyson when they released it later on. Oh, interesting. No, this is a cool track. I like the instrument choice of that oh, main yeah. instrument, that plucked sound. It's a really interesting attack. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, what I think is great is what a montage song. Yeah. I mean, it's just fantastic. You can just picture, you know, I've seen sort of parody videos where they show like Little Mac like lifting weights and yeah. going through a whole like Rocky style This is very montage. different from the other tracks in the game. Yeah, it, I think it's just <laughs> so funny mm-hmm. that there's a cutscene in an NES game, and it's really kind of like trying to parody Rocky. I just think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, man. It's a fun, quirky pick. It's cool that it's Kenji Yamamoto. Yeah, I can't get over that. That's that's crazy, man. All right, I'm really excited about this one, and particularly to share it with Will. I think you're really going to get a kick out of this. This is a modern chiptune from the game Mutant Muds, and I believe this is a game that came out on the 3DS eShop channel. Oh, wow. It's really nice to get a modern kind of Nintendo game that features NES chiptune music, because this was obviously done in Famitracker, um, at least in my opinion. This is World 4-1, composed by Renegade Kid. Let's take a listen to Mutant Muds World 4-1. Excellent. This is Mutant Muds World 4-1, and this was composed by Renegade Kid. His real name is Troop Gamage. And yeah, no, I was just really, I found this online uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was just really blown away by this particular track. I think this is really effective. I like how it stays true to the three voices, actually. It's surprising. In some ways, it feels like it's not, but it really is, because the triangle channel is jumping up. You're hearing those higher intervals. Those are in between the bass notes, you know, like... It's kind of crazy to think about it, but it, it's just three voices. Well, that's what's great about the NES triangle is that most games use it in very short staccato attacks because mm-hmm. that bass has such sort of a piercing overtone that it doesn't sound the best sustained for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you can have that if they're doing counter melodic things, you can have the bass jump up the octave and back down and it just feels so seamless. One thing that I really liked about this track is the way that the drum worked you have a pretty good dpcm uh, snare mm-hmm. sample going on but it's also doubled at the same time with a little variation in what the noise channel is doing so you get almost like a more like wooden texture yeah. on that snare hit which i think is really cool 
you know, because it's combining that sort of hi-hat sound with that sort of snare sound. Yeah, we talked about this with Jake Kaufman, but another thing I like about this soundtrack and this composer is that he's combining old and new. So he's being true to the limitations and he's using Tracker, but it's reminiscent of more modern music. It's a little bit more jazz influenced. There's a lot of nice soloing. And there's some kind of Im- slightly improvisational elements that you don't hear in a lot of NES music. Right. So I think it's, it's kind of bringing it into the modern sphere, you know? Right. I just think it's effective. But presentationally, it's, fun, it's yeah. absolutely spot on. Yeah. That's an awesome pick, Carl. Thanks, man. Well, I'm going to wrap things up. This is going to be my last pick of the day. And I'm going to play from one of my favorite portable soundtracks. This is a track from Super Mario Land. Anybody who knows me knows that I love Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. Indeed. I like him a lot. I love every soundtrack he's ever done. I wish he was still making music because, I don't know, his compositional style just really appeals it's to me. It's very close to your compositional style, um, yeah. But th- in particular, the Super Mario Land game, I just really like because it's one of my favorite composers trying to emulate another one of my favorite composers. <laughs> and it, this is, I'm going to be playing the ending from this game. So it starts after you rescue Princess Daisy and then it goes into the credits theme. This is a fantastic piece by Hiro Hiptanaka. Let's take a listen to Ending from Super Mario Land. Super Mario Land. This is just an 8-bit classic right here. Uh, This is probably one of the best tracks on Game Boy, in my opinion. Uh, And I just love the soundtrack in general. Um, That first, that opening ending theme, I just think is so pretty. And the timbre of those instruments are so sort of uh, shrill, I guess, and squeaky, that that beautiful uh, melody in that high octave just feels so emotional, and I think that's really impressive to have sort of a timbral it really quality carries well. that carries you, an emotion on the really Game Boy. You really hear track. it well over the rest of the piece, yeah. like it really rings out. And I think this end credits theme is just so exciting. How it starts off with that da 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 da, yeah, da, da like slightly too, climbing. Yeah, how there's that little small, little short, humble theme, and then it goes to the credits music. Yeah, yeah. oh, it's very effective. 
It's a classic Mario. It feels. It also has a little bit of elements of Sonic for some reason to me. And some it definitely feels Metroid. I mean, oh my <laughs> if Tanaka can't not sound like Metroid. <laughs> yeah, he really can. I mean, in some ways, that sounds maybe more similar to Metroid than even Mario. But it's a nice oh, yeah. combination. It's cool. All right, well, I'm going to wrap things up with my last pick of the day. This is from one of my favorite series that I've discovered on the handheld systems recently. Summon Knight Swordcraft Story 2, composed by Monaco Adachi, Kohei Matsuaka, and Kihiro Sada. I'm going to play the title theme. This is an excellent piece of music. That's kind of a different, uh, nice change of pace as far as most of the music you hear in the Swordcraft Story series. Enjoy. Gorgeous. I can't believe this is coming from a Game Boy Advance. This is Summon Knight Swordcraft Story 2, title theme. And most likely this was composed by Minako Adachi because she was the primary composer for this series, and this is the title theme. I just, I absolutely love Minako Adachi's style. She always incorporates that nice Gaelic influence, especially into this series and her handheld music. I just think this is incredibly solid music. Everything about it is really effective. I like, the, the chords remind me of Japanese film music, and it's just crazy to hear that level of sophistication on the GBA. It's, I haven't heard anything quite like that on this system before. That's probably true. Reminiscent of something like Chrono Trigger, too. You know, you hear some of that instrument that may have been ripped from some of those games, you know? Oh, yeah, maybe. I guess I never thought about that. It's crazy to think that, you know? Maybe Nintendo provided him with a sample pack that was similar to those games. One can only hope. That is awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today for Show and Tell 7. This was a really fun time. We always enjoy these episodes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely despite, a blast. You know, despite Will winning the Rock, Paper, Scissors, I still had a good time. Today, so. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Carl. <laughs> no problem. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Once again, feel free to check out our Zero-G Super Satellite Racing album, as well as all of our music at music.supermarcadobros.com. Thanks a lot, guys. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out. Peace out.